1: We're not in Kansas anymore. That's right, Dorothy. This is Movie Addict Headquarters. You don't have to be a movie addict to visit here, but if you are one, it's definitely the place for you. I'm your host, Betty Jo Tucker, and today we're paying tribute to one of the most beloved movie stars of all time, Judy Garland. My producer, Nikki Starr, and I are honored to have Lorna left one of Judy's talented daughters and an accomplished performer in her own right as our special guest. We'll also be hearing from film critics James Cole Harrison and Diana Sanger, both avid Judy Garland fans. I'm very excited and psyched up about the opportunity to talk with Lorna Luft, but before bringing her on, I want to remind listeners about her impressive background. She's won acclaim on stage, film, and she's also a best-selling author, recording artist, and Emmy-nominated producer. Her book, Me and My Shadows, Living with the Legacy of Judy Garland, was turned into a riveting miniseries, and Lorna served as co-executive producer on that project, which won five Emmy Awards. Another of Lorna's outstanding accomplishments is Songs My Mother Taught Me, a spectacular concert, and the CD based on this event was released last year on First Night Records. What a treat for me to welcome Lorna Luft to Movie Addict Headquarters. Hi, Lorna.
2: Hi, thank you so much.
1: Oh, it's such a... Pleasure to have you on our show, and thank thanks you. so much for agreeing to be our guest. But no, thank you. Uh, but before getting started, James Cold Harrison wants to say hello to you. James wrote A History of MGM, and that's the studio where your mother made so many wonderful films. James, I know you have a welcome of your own for Lorna, so now's your chance.
3: I sure do. It's sort of like getting back with her again because we've met a, a couple of times for interviews, and she was so charming and so forthcoming and so down-to-earth that it's a pleasure to talk to stars who are like that. So, Lorna, I give you a great big kiss. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and and, that's,
1: and when James gives you a kiss, you know you've been kissed. <laughs> Oh, thanks, James. And I don't Diana say Diana I don't say that to every star, but <laughs> I I know. You just save it for special ones. And Diana Sanger from Classic Movie Guide is also here. Uh hi, Diana, say hello to Lorna.
4: Hello, Lorna. Thank you so hi, much nice for to... joining us today. Thank you very, very much. Thank you.
1: And thank I am... you for
4: keeping your mother's uh name and spirit and forever in our memories. Oh, thank you so much.
1: I am just so happy that we could all be together today, and I wanted to start, uh, Lorna, with this question. Um, How did your mother influence your career as an actress and entertainer?
2: Well, you know, I think that when you grow up in a household of amazing talent and sort of the family business, um, you learn how it's done the right way. Um, I watched my mom, and whenever she was on a stage, she gave 110%, and when she did the same in her films and her recordings and her radio concerts. And I think you just pick up on that. Um, I think you just know where you come from.
1: I think that's a great answer. Uh, I I just uh, can't imagine being around Judy Garland and knowing her personally and then being her daughter and not picking up on some of that uh, yeah, but you terrific. see, I didn't no. know any
2: different.
1: Oh, oh that's right, because <laughs> you thought everybody had a mother like Judy Garland, right? Well,
2: no, I just didn't. As I said, I didn't know any better. So, I mean, meaning I didn't know anything different. I didn't know, uh, you know, that's where I came from. So it was well, my this normal.
1: Was, this was your was was the only thing for, for you to do. But I, I was wondering what your favorite Judy Garland films and performances are.
2: You know, I don't have a favorite because that would make all the others not my favorite. So I think each and every one of my mother's, you know, amazing accomplishments in her career, basically, you know, there, there's a favorite part of all of them.
1: I think that's a, that's a very good answer, Lorna. I have the feeling that someone has their speakers on. So if anyone does that uh, we uh, need to need to turn them down. I'm getting a, just a little bit of bad uh, sound here, but I I think we should ask James and uh, Diana about their favorite Judy Garland films and performances. James, you want to start?
3: Well, where do you start? As Lorna says, you know, everything every film has something great in it. But I think if I were pushed, I'd have to say. The little black and white musicals she made with Mickey Rooney, like Babes on Broadway, and Strike Up the Band, Babes in Arms, Those were my favorites. I just loved those. They were so sweet and innocent, and, and, you know, everybody was nice, and it was like a fantasy world. Of course, it was MGM. Everything was a fantasy there, but uh, those were the films that influenced me growing up.
1: Those were great. Those were great films. What about you, Diana?
3: Well, he stole my thunder.
4: <laughs> Those are my favorites, too, because yours too. <laughs> she was so fun, and you could tell she was having fun, so we were having fun watching her. Just this, you know, effervescent joy that always came out of her was just wonderful. But, you know, of course, I I love the Wizard of Oz, as everybody does. I also uh, uh, really liked Meet Me in St. Louis a lot.
1: Hmm. Those were those were great too, and I certainly have to agree with you about uh, her performance as uh, Dorothy Gale in *The Wizard of Oz*. I, she, of course, yes, that's a... Can I
2: interject something? Yes, please. I think the reason that everyone loved her so much before *The Wizard of Oz* and all the black and white films is because you thought you knew her.
3: Yes, um, that's it
2: exactly. You you were convinced that you had known this person because of her honesty. And because in every single performance, her honesty, her just her talent was just so real and so um, genuine that that's why everybody you know she really were you know she, she they could relate to all of the characters that she played, if it wasn't the girl next door, if it was you know Aunt Mickey Rooney's friend and all the Andy and the you know the Andy Hardy things. You just thought that you knew her. She was so accessible. Oh,
1: I you know, think, think that's get, true. Yeah, that's back. true. I I always felt that you know I could just walk right up to Judy Garland and you know just start talking with her like she like she was a friend. And yeah,
2: because she was accessible, exactly. and that's what made everyone fall in love with her. Whether you were you know. A kid, or whether you were watching films as a teenager, whether you were an older person, you were, went to her movies and you thought, "I know that person." Yes,
1: yeah, exactly right. I, yeah, I, I I find it hard to pick favorite movie too, but I, I cannot uh, not mention *The Wizard of Oz* again with uh, with what uh, Diana said because I have never seen such a heartwarming film performance in my life (laughs) as the one that she gave as Dorothy Gale. Well,
2: I think it's just extraordinary that the performance that she gave, uh, you would think that The Wizard of Oz, when you look at it, because it became such a, You know, an international, unbelievable, legendary film that it had so many problems to begin with. It had, you know, four directors, and it had numerous writers, and it had numerous things that went on with the film that you would have never known unless you'd read the books about the making of The Wizard of Oz. And so basically, I just think it was always sort of extraordinary because... You know, I I know how many directors I have worked with at one time, never mind working with four, never mind having everything changed, never mind all of the things that happened on The Wizard of Oz, and that is a tribute to all of them, not only my mom, but every single character and every single actor in the film is just absolutely believable, and that's what makes the film work, is because you believe and you believe every word they say and you believe every song that they sing and you believe the story and the story is so simple it's, you know, the story of home, heart, courage, and knowledge I mean, who doesn't relate to that?
1: Well, that's for sure, and thank heavens the filmmakers And love,
2: you know, so I mean, that's that's, that's what the film is based on when people ask me all the time, why do I think that it it you know it's lasted so long because it was a brilliantly made film with an incredibly simple message that everyone can relate to.
1: Exactly.
2: No place
1: like home. Exactly and thank heavens the filmmakers changed their minds about cutting over the rainbow from oh, the finished yes.
2: Well production. that was really I mean that you know that was Arthur Freed really going to bat and saying, you know, if you don't put that song back in, I'll take my name off of it and he really Arthur Freed was such a wonderful and uh, champion of my mom and 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 you know and and Harold Arlen and Yip Harburg score is so brilliant and simple and complicated and everything else. I mean, it's just the per- everything in the movie is really. Um, I'd say it's the most perfect movie ever made.
1: I would go along with that. I I just uh, it, I, I'm sitting here and looking at the. The poster and uh it just it, it inspires me every day when I sit down to work here it's just yeah. it 's just more th- it 's actually more than a movie, but I think that Judy garland is is the one everybody had a part in it, but I think Judy is the one that made it something so very, very special but well I think
2: because of her unique vulnerability and her honesty and you really did believe that you know that Dorothy was this wonderful, you know, wide-eyed child that just wanted to find a better place. And I think all of, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't have believed it if they had chosen anyone else. I mean, it was just a real um it's a real tribute to my mother as an actor. I think um, and also all of the other characters. I mean, Burt Lahr's performance in that movie is truly <laughs> it's oh,
1: wonderful.
2: It's, it's, wonderful. it's wonderful, but every every single one in the movie is wonderful.
1: And I'm, as you
2: all know, I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm about to go do it on stage this whole winter in England. Really? Yes, I'm going to play Maggie Hamilton's role. I'm going green for the winter, and I'm playing the Wicked Witch.
1: Oh, I wish we could see it. (laughs) Oh, I
2: know, but you're going to have to come all the way to Manchester, England, to do it. So I am going, you know, it's a very chic and very in-thing to be green while I'm going green for the winter. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I love
1: that's that. So oh, I just I think that's going to be what a wonderful experience for you. Well, I,
2: I think it's going to be fun because, I mean, it's not going to be fun taking on and putting on all that green makeup because I've already done it once. And let me tell you, it's not a day out at the park. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, it, you know, something, I mean, I've stayed away from it, and when they called me and asked me to do it this winter, and because I knew Margaret Hamilton and I'd met her several times and she was such a lovely and nice and wonderful woman, I thought to myself, wait, it's second, you know, second generation Oz and why not, and go have some fun and I get to fly and I get, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be an absolute, I mean, I know that my mom would be sitting there just being hysterical laughing.
3: I'll, is bet this ad- I'll bet she is would. i bet she would. Is an adaptation of the film or the stage show uh, Wicked? It's No, no, no. It
2: has nothing to do with Wicked. Um, okay. A while ago, the Royal Shakespeare Company did a really great version of the movie on stage, and that's basically what it is. In a way, they've taken more, with the RSC Company, they've taken more of the book, um, but we just—I um, was just in England a couple of days ago, and I—we—they did a sort of a, a Dorothy Idol, um, where they—they they, the entire, I think, all of Northern England came out for to to try to be the Dorothy, and it was a very very hard choice, and we chose a girl who was 16. Wow Perfect. because it's so important I've seen so I've seen productions of the show on stage and when they pick a 21 22 year old person for Dorothy you're it you know it and so right. we you know my mom was 15 and finished the movie when she was 16 so we picked a 16 year old cuz there is an innocence and a wonderful wide-eyed quality and as we all know um and maybe your listeners don't the the original dorothy in the book was a lot younger
1: oh yes in well, this, l
2: frank Baum's book of the wizard of oz right she was a right young, young girl yes. but yeah
1: but but judy had the i mean she just had that that youthful vulnerability and uh she just fit right right in. Well, this is this is great good news to hear about your your trip to England. So, keep I hope you'll keep us posted on that. Well, I'll be a
2: little busy. <laughs> right, right.
1: We'll watch the we'll watch the press on there it. There you go. Right. And speaking of a uh, of a book, I I wanted to ask you about uh, your your wonderful book, the me and My Shadows, Living mm-hmm. with the Legacy of Judy Garland. Mm-hmm. Why, why did you decide to write that, and what did you think of Judy Davis's performance in the TV adaptation?
2: I wrote my book because I'd been asked so many questions over and over and over and over and over again every single time that I, you know, went out of the house, basically. Yes. Uh-huh. And I, th- I, I thought to myself, I've come to peace with my legacy, and I had, you know, I'd run away from it for so long, and I'd... You know, I did everything not to um, face my shadows. I I dyed my hair purple and sang rock and roll and did all sorts of, you know, (laughs) interesting things. And then I just, I sat down and I said, you've got to make friends with the ghost. You really do. And that's when I began began to really research where I'd come from. Why did I do certain things? What am I going to tell my children? Yeah. And it's interesting because a friend of mine who's a wonderful girl, um, Patty Davis, who, of course, her father was Ronald Reagan, and her right. mom was, you know, the wonderful Nancy Reagan. And she said to me, and I always give her credit, she said, you don't really get to know your parents until you're in your 40s. And it really mm-hmm. was true for me, because you... Or making your own footsteps in the sand in your 20s and your 30s or having your children in your 40s you really look back and think to yourself what am i going to tell my children what am i going to tell myself so that's what i did and that's why i wanted to write the book i wanted to write the book and i wrote my book going back into how i felt then because yes. i think that's what you have to do for the reader you have to write it from a point of view of when you felt when you were you know 11 and 12 and 13, and, you know, when you first begin to, you know, realize who you are as a youngster and all of that, um, you know, when people write books and they say, when I was three, I remember. You think, no, you don't. You don't remember when you were three. You know, when you were eight, yeah, I'll buy, I'll buy it. Three, I'm not buying it. But I, I, that's why I wrote the book. I wrote it so that um, that my children would have something to read. Their children would understand their legacy. I wrote my book because hopefully I can give another adult or a teenager or another child who has the disease of addiction in their home the reality of there is help out there and you can do this. And that unfortunately there wasn't help for my mom, but there was help for me. And yes. so that's what that's one of the reasons that I I wrote my book so that people who were maybe thinking that they were in a tunnel and there is no light that maybe they could pick up my book and read it and say to themselves, "My gosh, you know, there are there is light and there is a way out and there is some kind it, it maybe it will give a hopeless person hope." So that's why I wrote the book and then when it was turned into the mini series I mean, I was so you know I was so much on board with my producers, Craig Zaden and Neil Meron, and we were the ones who cast Judy Davis from the very beginning, we never thought of anybody else because she's she's an extraordinary actor and she's fearless and she's wonderful, and she is just um she, she was a clean slate You know, she's Australian So she didn't know too much about my mom She didn't grow up in America And she didn't, you know, grow up, you know Watching all of the things that maybe an American actor had watched And that's why we chose Judy Davis And Tammy Blanchard was just extraordinary also And she was just a, a, a an unbelievable asset I mean, everybody Everyone in the movie It's a movie that I look at the five Emmys, you know And I think to myself We did a great job and it was something that my mom would have been proud of, and I know that you know listen to be nominated for thirteen Emmys, win five, I'm not complaining,
1: oh, who would complain Absolutely. about that and it was. I'm not
2: complaining i'm not but you know it was the you know one of the greatest awards that we won that I loved more than anything is when we won the critics Award, yeah, because I knew that the critics were gunning for you know us because you know sometimes these biopics come out and they're not very good. And I said to my director and everybody at ABC and everybody um, who was on board, I said, if we don't make this special, you know, you all will go on to other things, but this is my life on the line here, meaning that, like, they will always remember me. And everybody was on it for the right reason, and that's why it came out so special, and that's why to this day people come up to me and they say, that was the most amazing miniseries I've ever seen, and all I can say is thank you to everyone who loved it, enjoyed it, and, you know, who was still you know, goes out and buys the the
4: DVD and all of that of it.
1: Oh, it was riveting, absolutely riveting. Didn't you think so, James and Diana?
4: Absolutely. I, I think you really tapped into the whole persona. One of the personas of, of your mother was fearless. And um, like you said, that that came across so well, and it's something that, you know, she lived her life with that, bless her heart. Yeah, I mean, great. she
2: was also fearless, but she was also, so incredibly strong and she was incredibly funny and she was giving and yes she was a victim she was a victim of the studio system at that time and i wanted to make sure that i told all the stories if i didn't tell a i couldn't go to right to z and that's why it was so important that it was done in the right
3: way
1: and it was done in the right way don't you you agree james
3: I I do agree. I I read the book and saw the miniseries, and I have to say that I thought uh, young Tammy Blanchard was a phenomenal actress. Yeah, she was phenomenal, wasn't she? Just absolutely wonderful. I had never seen her before, and I thought, where did they get? Where did you find her?
1: That was a brilliant performance, I agree, yes, but
3: it's tough right. for anyone
1: to stand in for, for Judy Garland in my book, but I, I was really uh, just glued to the TV when I when I saw that miniseries. And yep. I, I wonder if we could move now to another one of your amazing projects, and the one I'm talking about is Songs My Mother Taught Me. Could you tell us a little bit about that, Lorna?
2: Well, th- this is a show that I, I did nine years, I, well, gosh, and, you know, almost ten years ago that we... We did this show And for my entire life People wanted me to sing my mom's songs And I never wanted to do them I never wanted to go near them Because they were frightening They were overwhelming They were just too big And once I had written the book And then I had done the miniseries And everyone said When are you going to You know Be able to pay tribute to this music And I thought I can do that now I can do that and one of the first people i called my best friend and i'm so lucky is has for the last god only knows how many years has been barry manilow and i called him and i said i think i'm ready to do that and i was expecting to hear a very very long long you know speech about this he said oh it's about time (laughs) (laughs) that's barry (laughs) yeah oh just cut to the chase And, uh, you know, I was so lucky because he then introduced me to two incredibly talented writers, Ken and Mitzi Welch, who had written all the Carol Burnett shows. And we sat down and, you know, six months later came up with a show that we've still been doing to this day. And um, we are incredibly proud of it. And then last year I was so lucky to um, go into the recording studio, not only with my talented husband, but with Barry, and we recorded the CD of Songs My Mother Taught Me, and I'm really proud of it. And so it's finally out there, because people kept asking me, when, you know, when can we have it? And it took a long time, because, you know, I I wanted it to be done in the right way, and I wanted it to be also uh, something that I had lived with for a long time, and, and that I was comfortable with, and that I could share with um, the audience. And the people who have bought the CD, they've, I mean, I get calls all the time saying that how much they enjoyed it, and, and I'm just very, very grateful, and I thank everybody.
1: Well, you know, we have put on the uh, site of uh, Movie Addict Headquarters the cover of uh, songs my mother taught me and so I'm encouraging the listeners to click on that cover and it will take you right over to Amazon.com and you can can order that CD and mm-hmm. Lorna, I think you've been gracious enough to uh, give us permission to play a little selection from that CD and do you want to tell us a little bit about the selection we're about to hear?
2: Well, I, I, I think it's a mother-daughter medley and Great. Uh, as I said, um, it's um, it's it's something that Ken and Mitzi myself, my husband, um, we put together and through the genius of technology now, um, we're able to, you know, put two orchestras and put her voice and my voice and uh together and of course, you know, I I was I'm not the first to do this. I think Hank Williams Junior was really quite the first and then Natalie Cole did it and um I think Lisa Marie Presley has done it now and I think a lot of people have Um, been able to do this, and what a wonderful thing that we're able to do that. How wonderful that we're able to sing with our loved ones and and put um, this out to the public and be able to fill a void that the public wants and be able to say, we can do this now, because they're not here anymore.
1: I know. I think this is just terrific. So we're going now to hear... Uh, mother, this mother-daughter medley, and thanks to my wonderful producer Nikki Starr for um, helping us to get this to the show. I'm going to click on now, and here is the mother-daughter medley. Thank mm-hmm. Absolutely love it. You know, folks, that Judy Garland tribute aired back in September of 2009, and I hope everyone enjoyed listening to it today. We were so lucky that Lorna agreed to be interviewed here before she left for the UK to play the Wicked Witch of the West. I understand she was absolutely terrific in that role. The only thing she didn't like was having uh, to wear all of that horrible green paint. Shortly after that, she celebrated the music of Judy Garland on a special BBC TV show. And then in 2011, Lorna brought her Songs My Mother Taught Me production to New York and also participated in a New York Pops concert celebrating the anniversary of her mother's famous Carnegie Hall show. Plus, you may have seen this, she was one of the commentators on ABC's Best in Film show where The Wizard of Oz was selected as the second best film of all time. You know, I laughed watching the show when Lorna talked about how Judy didn't like being close to Toto while singing over the rainbow because of the dog's very bad breath. Ooh. Sadly, Lorna later suffered a bout with cancer. But she's doing fine now and still going strong. In fact, this very month, she's scheduled for a UK tour of putting on the ritz oh i love that title it's a review of the most famous musical moments from the golden age of hollywood how i wish i could see that show we'll hear more about the legendary judy garland right after these brief messages from two of our loyal
4: listeners hi comedian nancy lombardo here host of comedy concepts blog talk radio And when I need my movie fix, you'll know where I'll be found. That's right, every Tuesday at 4 p.m., listening to Betty Jo Tucker on Movie Attic Headquarters Blog Talk Radio. Show me the funny, Betty! Show me the funny!
0: You're listening to Movie Attic Headquarters with your host, Betty Jo Tucker. She's the real deal in what's happening on film. And if you're not real careful, you might hear the confessions of a movie addict. So get your popcorn and stay right there in your seat for Movie Addict Headquarters. And now, back to our
5: feature...
1: much, Nancy and Steve, for those great promos. And dear listeners, be sure to check out Nancy's very funny comedy concept show right here on Blog Talk Radio each Monday and Friday morning at 10.30 Eastern Time. And there are two other entertaining shows that you should check out. These are on Dreamstream Radio. One is... Steve Mendoza's show. In fact, he might have more than one show on Dreamstream Radio. And and the other is the Mom and Pop Shop Radio show hosted by Mr. Showbiz himself, George Bettinger. It airs on Dreamstream Radio on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. And don't forget all the diverse shows on the Wacko Network here on BTR. For example, this Saturday at 10 a.m. Mountain Time, chuck skulls golden age of radio show will be airing the original 1939 broadcast introduction to the wizard of oz yay well now back to judy garland i want everyone to know that she's my pick for the most remarkable personality in the history of motion pictures she could do it all sing dance act in comedies or in dramas almost better than anyone else before or since, I think. Each time I watch one of Judy's many films, I'm amazed at her raw talent. Nobody haunts my movie memories quite like Judy singing Somewhere Over the Rainbow, and no one makes me laugh more joyously than Judy, dressed like a tramp, of all things, and singing... We're a couple of swells with fellow bum Fred Astaire in Easter Parade. If you haven't seen that, please check it out on Netflix. And nothing, absolutely nothing, gets my dander up more than remembering Judy's loss of the Oscar she should have received, definitely, for her heart-wrenching performance in A Song is Born. Well, it's almost time to wrap things up, folks. But before we do, I want to mention that we've, um, that I've had a great time today chatting with some um, Judy Garland, Wizard of Oz fans, in the chat room. I want to thank Beverly Jean and Misha Yah and Steve Mendoza for being in the chat room today. Um, Misha uh, put in the chat room that he wanted me to tell Lorna about the screenplay that he just finished. It's actually um, the movie version of It Had to Be Us, which is the little romantic memoir my husband Larry and I wrote under the pen names of Harry and Elizabeth Lawrence. And The Wizard of Oz is actually the centerpiece of that screenplay. I think, you know, we still have time to hear Judy perform a fun duet with her good friend Mickey Rooney from the movie Words and Music. Now, if I can just find it here. Yes, here goes. Uh, Mel, uh, take I Wish I Were in Love Again, will you?
0: You don't know that I felt good When we up and parted You don't know I knocked on wood Gladly broken hearted. Worrying through, I sleep all night Appetite and health restored
3: You, you don't, don't know
0: how much we're
5: bored
0: The sleepless nights, the daily fights The quick to bark and when you reach the heights I miss the kisses and I miss the fights I wish I were in love again
3: The broken days, the endless waits The lovely loving and the hateful hates conversation with a flying plate I wish I were in love again no more pain no more strain
0: now I'm saying but I would rather be gone, God the pulled out fur of Captain Kerr
3: the fine mismating of a him and her we've We've learned our lesson lesson, but we wish we were were in love again.
0: The blackened eye The words I'll love until the day I die The self-deception that believes the lie I wish I were in love again
3: When love congeals, it soon reveals The fade aroma of a forming field, The double crossing of a pair of veal I wish I were in love again No more care, no despair. I'm all
0: there now, but I'd rather be punched from... Believe me, sir, I much prefer the classic battle of him and her. We don't like quiet and we wish we were in love.
1: Mickey and judy were great together now sorry to say our time is up so i want to thank lorna luff james cole harrison and diana sanger for being such terrific guests thanks also to Nikki Starr, richard b smart danny dyer the wacko bob gang and all the folks at blog talk radio for their support as well as to our chatters and other listeners and of course special thanks to judy garland for giving us so many memorable moments to cherish Now here is Judy herself to close the show with my favorite song from The Wizard of Oz and it just might be yours too.